0: Hello, I'm Abigail James. Welcome to Knowing Me, Glowing You, the podcast that celebrates life's unique journeys. I want to inspire you wherever you are in your life, whether that be ageing, career, family, or more internal goals of self-discovery. Each week, I will be chatting to different experts, shining a light on their knowledge and own unique journeys. Today's guest is Dan Roberts,
1: and that's sometimes a bit of an issue with this wellness industry, like you've got to have balance all the time. I don't know anyone who's really good at anything who has total balance. I, I don't subscribe to that.
0: So today I am chatting to Dan Roberts, who is a bit of an under the radar celebrity trainer. And unlike many other celebrity fitness trainers that I've come across, Dan has a huge humility. Dan's journey has taken him around the world Including Hollywood and back. He shares a very down to earth approach to fitness. And if you follow him on social, he often pokes fun at the celebrity fitness industry. He has successfully taken his business online, and there's a real focus on physical and mental well being. I first met Dan, I'm going to say maybe eight to 10 years ago. And, you know, we're both working in the fitness and wellbeing sector, and largely both of us based in London. Dan reached out to me. We've chatted about this since, and I don't know whether he fully recalls our first actual communication, but he sent me a message. It might've been on LinkedIn. And at the time I was working at a private members club called Grace Belgravia, which was in central London. And there was a gym there. It was high end. It was that celebrity PT kind of thing. And Dan reached out and said, hey, we're in the same industry, I thought it would be amazing to connect. My response was, OMG, isn't it amazing that we're working on the same project and congratulations on that book? To which Dan replied, that's not me. That was another personal trainer, which I just felt mortified. But that was our first ever communication. However, welcome Dan to the podcast. We have obviously spoken and met in person, you know, since then. But I don't think you even remember that.
1: No, no recollection at all.
0: That's such a huge (laughs) impact I had on your life. Amazing.
1: I'm, I'm pleased you know who I am now.
0: Exactly, exactly. The other thing I need to jump in with is how's that book coming on, Dan? Because. We set each other a challenge.
1: Terrible. I know, I know. I'm so in awe of what you do with your books. Mine is still not quite finished, so I'm behind schedule in my book. So thank you for making that public.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we'll start with on a low point, shall we, Dan? We'll start with that. So as much as I've done an intro on you and people can Google you, I love to ask my guests to tell a little bit of their story in in their own words so i'd love if you could share that
1: well i mean i'm, I'm a coach I'm, i help people get fit and i help people become more athletic that's essentially what i do uh, i started off when i was 16 uh, i'm in my mid 40s now so it's pretty much all i know and uh, yeah like, like you mentioned my job has taken me quite a few places i've worked in quite a few different countries as a trainer uh, over the years i've diversified i guess my skills strength and conditioning pilates uh, martial arts. So I teach various skills and I help people feel good. And uh, yeah, my clients are mainly entertainment industry nowadays, but you know, I, I'm happy to help everybody or anybody get fit. And I guess my company's grown over the years. I'm, I'm not just a freelance trainer. I have a team and I have a few businesses under my name and I'm just very lucky, I guess.
0: That description from Dan is just testament to his humility, because I know that some of Dan's gigs you, was it over in Brazil?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I worked in Brazil for a year. I looked after uh, models, Victoria's Secret models and fashion models. I've worked uh, in New York for a year, working with athletes. I've worked in Sydney for a year. I've worked in lots of places for a year. Then I tend to get bored and come back to London because London's amazing. Lots of different gigs. And uh, I mean, my background was training athletes. So I spent the first 10 years of my career years mainly training professional athletes and I did that to the highest level I could get to really you know professional athletes national sports teams and then opportunities arose where I worked with models and actors and because of that I think it's opened more doors to travel.
0: I mean you just flippantly say that you were training Victoria's Secret models not many people can say that.
1: Well they're they're, they're not a thing anymore right? (laughs) That was that was a big deal five years ago, but now it's like old news.
0: But that that was that's a huge thing to do, and I know they're not a thing anymore. But I know their level of training, you know, their their physical fitness. It wasn't just.
1: Yeah, but that was that was it's a lot of luck, and it's you very sort of call me humble, but I mean, how can you not be? There's there's so much luck, I think, in coaching in in my career anyway. Because I went to Brazil just because I was with a girlfriend at the time, and she wanted to move to Brazil. And I moved with her. So we were living in Brazil and I just happened started training a few models just because I was hanging out. I was, I was quite, uh, I was into going out and partying and stuff. I was younger and I met some people and, and they knew that I was a trainer. And just one thing led to another. I ended up training a couple of well-known models over there. Then I trained the, the head of an agency, of a big agency, big model agency. And then because of that, then I ended up being like the in-house trainer for this agency, which happened to have models, but it's it's because I was in Brazil and because I was a trainer and there's not many great trainers in Brazil, to be honest. You know, so and I had a background of training athletes and I knew models. So it was luck. You know, it wasn't like I I, they called me up and said, we must use you. A lot of time the first time you train an athlete, the first time you train like an A-list Hollywood star, first time you train like a famous model a lot of the times you do the, the first time is you kind of got, get a lucky gig, then you do a good job, and then you build your reputation.
0: So there's the lucky gig, but then you do the good job. And I know that some of your training that you've put yourself through. So t- I'd love to just explore a bit, you know, about your time in Thailand.
1: Oh, yeah. So when I was, was about 10 years ago, when I was in my mid 30s, I got really into martial arts. I started having a private coach in London who I was doing Muay Thai which is a, a Thai martial art three times a week and I was doing that for a few maybe like two three months and I got really into it and I'm quite obsessive I'm quite all or nothing and I got I was thinking to myself how can I get better and I decided to get really good at it so I researched who kind of the the best Thai fighters were in Thailand and I reached out to them and sort of saw if I could basically move over there and study under some masters and uh, a couple said yes so I moved to Thailand and lived with a master and spent a year training and then fighting in Muay Thai it's cool It was really cool
0: and um- that's a key thing of your difference is you're kind of like, yeah, I kind of like this thing that I was doing. But instead of just settling at that, you wanted to go that next level.
1: If you want to be great at something, you have to go to the source. Like when I wanted to learn how to surf, I spent three months in Hawaii. When you, you, know, like when, when you want to be good at something, go to the source and then just obsess about it. I think obsession is given a bit of a bad rep. These days, I, I like obsession. I think if you have to be great at something. Like if you want to set up a new business, you can't have a balance. You have to give up your social life, I think, for a bit or focus on it. If you want to, if you're very overweight you want to lose weight, that has to be your priority. If you want to do anything in life, I think obsessing, I think it's actually quite good. And I sometimes have a bit of an issue with this wellness industry, like you've got to have balance all the time. I don't know anyone who's really good at anything who has total balance. I, I don't subscribe to that.
0: So... You know, I'm obviously a business owner my, myself, and I say that I need to find balance in my life to help me do what I do. But I totally appreciate and get the obsessive because when you're in the zone on a project, you're actually you're not going to get to the goal unless you are really focused. But I know me personally, I suppose I counter balance that with then making sure I have what I call a little bit of mental downtime, or whether I switch off from social media, or, you know, just a bit more of a a nurture for myself. And I know me personally, I need that. And I suppose that's where my balance comes in. So maybe it's not that daily balance. It's more those cycles. Yeah,
1: that's the thing. And there's a semantical argument about balance. I mean, I wanna have balance when I look back on my life, when I'm 90 and look back, I wanna make sure there's balance in there between relationships and career and my health and all these different things. But in any given day, I don't think there's much balance and that's fine.
0: So with all of this knowledge and skill that you've got, I know you've progressed and evolved your business from the physical into very much the online presence and courses. And I I know, because I'm kind of just baby stepping into that kind of thing, the the enormity of, of switching and evolving the business model. But you've got so much knowledge and skill out there. I, I would love for you to just share a little bit about what you've got with your businesses online, what what the listener could delve into.
1: The first thing is I have a couple of Products, I guess, like workouts, which have evolved over time. The first one is something called Methodology X, which now I just called MX because it's easier to say. That came out of the time I had in Brazil training models. And also when I moved back to London, I started working with tests and other agencies in London looking after models. So for a while, back like 10 years ago, all my clients were models. So I, I decided to create a workout. And initially, it wasn't an online workout, it was actually a, a booklet. Actually, a model agency commissioned me to create a booklet of exercises to give to their new models to get them ready for fashion week. And I wrote it and it was about 20 pages or so. And it wasn't great, to be honest, but it was, you know, it was just like a little workout. And then I found out within a few months that the models were sharing it amongst other models and then I was like, "Oh, I, I better make it better." So then I decided to actually create an ebook, and I sort of think I sold it for like five pounds. I think I put quite a lot of time into that, and people were liking it. And then, when more and more people were liking it, I was like, "You know what? I really should put some time into this." So I decided to spend like sort of six months writing it, and I wrote like a two hundred page ebook, and I had uh, one of my clients do all like the filming exercises because it was accompanied videos. That became popular, and every couple of years I kind of expanded it. Where now mx is a membership site where people pay like 40 pounds a month and they get all these different workouts and exercises and nutritional plans Uh, and also it's it's grown now to online classes and we have a qualification which trainers can qualify in and get a a nationally recognized qualification in mx and now we have mx classes in seven different countries and it's all grown massively in what eight nine years or so nine ten years since it arrived so I mean to answer your question, methodology X or MX is one of the things I offer online. But to go back to like the business side of thing, it started off as a little tiny little ebook, and it just grew and grew. And it's one of the reasons I have so many things is I'm kind of old, you know. I started this many years ago, so as long as you don't sort of drop the ball and sort of do a different career for a while, if you've been in the same industry for thirty years, you'd expect for products and courses to evolve. So it's not like I'm that special. It's just that I've had a lot of time, you know, and that's why, you know, when the pandemic hit, my company already had quite a few different online things on the go because I've been creating them over the years.
0: So we've talked, talked a lot about the model training and I suppose my listeners, you know, the vast majority are going to be female. I'd love for you to share, you know, are there any key mistakes that as a female approaching fitness or working out that we might, you know, fall into certain traps that we might be able to kind of save ourselves from?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I don't know if it's gender specific, but there are certain things I see people do, which I think they shouldn't. One thing is I think people's expectations are generally a bit out of whack. And I, I blame social media and sometimes magazines for this as well like the before and afters or, you know, getting like after, after having a baby, having, getting your body back in like three months, all that kind of stuff. And, and all the before and after pictures you do on Instagram, that sets up people to fail because people are expecting to have dramatic changes when they join a gym or start a new class. And it takes time to change your body. And uh, I feel that most people aren't patient enough when it comes to making changes. And like I said, it's just not a female thing. It's just a people thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And would you approach training a female body different to training a male body?
1: Yeah, I mean, but in so much, there are many variables. So in the same way, I train someone different if they've got diabetes or not got diabetes, or if they're ADHD or not ADHD, that there's many different variables and being female is one of them. So ideally, you want to train for you and your personality and your unique physiology, even if someone is Six foot compared to five foot two. There's a difference in terms of how you would, how a deadlift would look or how, you know, how a squat would look because their mechanics are different.
0: Yeah. Because I know over my adult life, I've dipped in and out of maybe having a personal trainer for a period of time. And if I'd have possibly just gone with the experience that I'd had with some of them early on I definitely had some injuries as a result of maybe a male trainer possibly not fully appreciating a woman's body whereas I know every trainer much like therapist and nutrition and everything else we bring our own thing to the table.
1: True I think we all bring our own biases like I think we all have a bias as a coach you definitely have your biases, which are linked to your experience and skills, because my background was training athletes, male and female athletes, I'm, I feel I'm very aware what the human body can do, you know. So I like people training to a high level. So, and I also, you know, from training, I don't know. Let's say the royal, I trained quite a few girls in the royal ballet many years ago, and I remember uh, I was employed to get them more flexible, and I remember being quite nervous about it because if you're uh, if someone's like a ballerina and they're having a big performance in 4 hours time you don't want to overstretch them so they can't move so you learn about what the limit is but if you understretch them then they're not ready so you have to get to that point where they're just the right level you know and i think in time you get with trainers the more experience they get they know like when to go heavy when he- when too heavy is too much like you know everyone always talks about having great form but it's a bit too basic to say that like if you're doing uh, let's say a press up and try and do as many as you can. If you go for absolutely perfect form, you might, go for, you might get two. But if you allow form to drop down to maybe say eight out of 10 where it's still safe, you could probably get eight or nine reps in, which will be better for your body. So you have to, sometimes it's okay to let form drop a little bit. Sometimes if it's a new exercise, let's say you're doing a kettlebell swing, which could put a lot of uh, trauma on your lower back, then it makes sense to go for 10 out of 10 form. So, but that comes with experience of knowing how hard to push someone. Again, it goes back to your goals. It might be that if posture is your most important goal, then really you shouldn't do any exercises which are a little bit bad, or eight out of 10, nine out of 10, because that could interfere with your posture. So you should stick with 10 out of 10. If losing weight is your biggest goal and you're trying to get more, burn more calories, then maybe it's okay to let form drop a little bit and go for the intensity. We're all different. It depends what your goals are.
0: And... There seems to be a lot on social media at the moment about hashtag gains and weight <laughs> training for females, you know, and suddenly it's, we're all supposed to be deadlifting and there's a lot more focus yeah. on that, which I'm unaware, I think that's a shift. I'd love to get your your views on that.
1: It's very interesting. It's, I'm glad you brought that up. And this happened about really, really about sort of six, seven years ago, it started becoming more sort of popular, particularly amongst sort of trainers, that it's basically the stronger the better. Like, strong is you new sexy was like a popular thing about five years ago. I guess it was to get away from the idea that girls should be super skinny and it's much better to be strong. So I had like a very empowering, I think, belief behind it initially. Like anything, it's, if you take anything to excess, then it's, it's not good. So if you train purely for strength, And that's all you do. I think it's just as bad as training purely to get slim. And I think judging, saying that strong is sexy, I personally don't like that as a phrase. I think it's, I don't think it's particularly empowering at all if you think about it, because it's saying a certain body size or shape is better than another one. And it's not. Like, being strong isn't sexy. Being slim isn't sexy. Sexy's got nothing to do with, like, your body shape. It's a different thing. And I think when you go for these cute phrases on Instagram or whatever, it dumbs down and reduces actually what exercise is all about you should exercise to feel good and and also use it as a tool to get the body you want a lot of the women i train actually want to like having a slim lean body they don't want to have bulky legs and sort of bigger shoulders which is actually more in vogue right now but it's not like that's bad it's like i know i think sometimes people are shamed slightly for wanting to be slim because it's not popular it's popular now to be strong and to you know if you go to a local gym um Girls now are a lot more muscular, particularly in the UK, than they were fifteen twenty years ago. Men are a lot more muscular, so it's just popular right now to be big. But give it five years, it'd be popular to be something else. Things change. It's the benefit of not being twenty one is you see you see things go in and out of fashion.
0: Yeah, I'm. You know, I, I've seen that in the skincare industry and just aesthetics of how we look facially and and body. It's interesting that you say that. You know, a lot of your clients still that, you know, they want to be slim. Have you noticed a, a change in the, you know, if the wish list of a new client of what they want to achieve, you know, over the past decade, have you, are you aware of a slight shift in what the requirements are from someone?
1: I mean, I, I think there's definitely a change like we talked about in like a Western society in, in the UK to become more muscular generally, but I don't see it in my clients. I'm in a little bubble. Because people who, because I'm, you know, I've got a track record with uh, a lot of actresses and models, for example, who all are kind of relatively slim and toned, I should say. So, because of that, I tend to get clients who want to look like so and so I've worked with. So, I'm in a little bubble. I don't get many girls who want to look like bodybuilders because I don't really have a track record of that. You know, so I, I so I don't see that myself, but in society and on social media, I definitely see that it's more strong and more muscular. It's definitely more popular than it used to
0: be. And I know we touched on it briefly, but I'd love to just for you to share slightly, cause because of your Thai boxing experience, I know you you train actresses for fight scenes, yeah?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do a lot of that. That's mostly what I do now is, is actors and actresses for, for action films. That's the majority of my clients over the last five years. Which
0: that's just, I, I, it's just like, it's, yeah, it's so cool. It's so
1: much fun. Abigail, it's so much fun. <laughs> it's so It's so cool. Yeah. You know, obviously I like Tony, I like people getting fit and strong and capable, but also because I'm a martial artist myself, I love teaching martial arts. And also, I actually like actors. Most of them are completely bonkers. And it's like, it's quite nice to talk to or hang out with extreme personalities. So yeah, I I love it. I love working with actors. And I love it when we have like choreographed fight scenes to train for, because then you can kind of make your clients who are your friends like badasses on screen. And there's no cooler feeling than seeing a friend someone you care about doing some really cool stuff on the big screen. And you're like, you feel proud, you know, it's nice.
0: Yeah, I love that. I would love to delve a little bit into, I suppose, more of the well-being side of things. I know you're quite open on your social media about, you know, some bits and pieces that have happened in your life, which I, for your, let's say your followers or other industry people looking at your account as we, as we do, you know, it is a kind of shop window to other people. It makes you really relatable. And I think, more of that content is, is kind of needed amongst all this r- rubbish that we consume online.
1: But then you can go too far with it. And maybe I'm just being cynical because I'm a middle-aged guy, but the kind of fake authenticity where people are always vulnerable, everyone's, everyone's had a toxic childhood or toxic relationship and they're dealing with drama. It seems to be very popular in the younger generation to kind of share everything. And the more you've been damaged, the more you'll get attention. And that's definitely a thing on TikTok and Instagram. Yes. And that makes me kind of like cringe a little bit where people are so open. You have to think, is social media like a thing for you? Or if you're running a brand, is it purely, is it purely there to improve your brand? Because there are different things. I know if I did a video every day of an exercise and uh, I know twice a week I had pictures of me with a celebrity client and maybe one every six posts I showed some vulnerability, I'd be really popular on Instagram. And I know that because it's like a formula which a lot of people stick to. But I, I don't want to do that.
0: No, I'm often asked to share more of my celebrity clients on social media. But
1: Of course you are, because you'll be more popular.
0: Much like yourself, it's a relationship that you have with that person.
1: And also, you've got to look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day. Like, I, like success is an interesting thing. You know, we all want success, whatever success means. But I do think the way you get there is far more important than the end result. And I, I'm very proud of like my career journey. I haven't screwed anyone over. I've I've tried to be kind to everybody and I I've got no kind of demons in my cupboard. You know what I mean? Like I I like the way I've kind of created my business. And I know quite a few people who've created their business in not so ethical ways. And they may be making more money than me or more popular, but but they've got to live themselves, you know, and, and also I don't confuse Popularity with success, like if I have one hundred thousand followers or ten thousand followers or not followers it 's irrelevant kind of as a business owner, success is kind of like the profit you make and your quality of brand for me that 's more important than my than my visibility um, as we mentioned under the radar i 'd love no one to know who i i 'd love not to have a website i 'd love not to be impressed I, I limit the amount of exposure I get I turn down pretty much every TV opportunity I've been asked to do I've turned down I've got no desire to be well known but I need to have a little bit of exposure so I so I get the kind of clients I want to work with so I, I limit my exposure which is not that common but it works for me
0: you know and that's some of the beauty of down <laughs> so you've mentioned a couple of times about age you know or actually you've been in this a long time what are your views on aging how do you feel about the aging process
1: what interesting question uh i mean it's the only way to stay alive to get older right so i quite like aging i find it very interesting actually i find the process of you know as our bodies naturally change in age i guess i'm not a huge fan of that (laughs) but um, (laughs) but there's things we can do to like sort of improve it i find it interesting how our interests and our attitudes change as we get older And that's it. I find it interesting. I don't I don't find it good or bad. I just, you know, I find it interesting. We we only have one life and ageing is a part of it.
0: Because I think I know when I look back at, you know, I can say in my 20s or to be honest, whatever age you are, I think in our own minds, we feel that we know everything at, at that age and it's not until you get another handful of years on, and you look back, and you go, "Oh my goodness, I was so naive. I knew nothing then," you know. And and knowledge happens, and life happens, and you, it's it's a learning along the way.
1: Of, of course, of course, yeah, uh, I totally agree. I I was very, I, I've always been pretty confident as as people go, like even from a young age. But I was kind of bordering on arrogant when I was younger. I thought I could do absolutely anything, and that helped me to. Make relatively bold decisions, like move countries and travel around the world by myself, and do all kinds of interesting adventures on my own, which I wasn't really equipped to do. But now, as I'm older, I I realise some of the things I've done have been quite silly. But I wouldn't change that. I wouldn't change any of that because it's part it's part of your journey, isn't it? And by the time you hit I don't know, 40, I guess you should really be humble because how can you not be? And you should be grateful because how can you not be look at what's happening in the world like the fact that i've managed to create a living by hanging out with cool people and making them look good it's it's amazing you know i I feel so lucky and it's not like i'm extra humble i'm just awake open your eyes and see what's happening if if you're managing to make a living doing something you enjoy how can you not be grateful how can you not be humble
0: so now you're in your 40s well in yeah
1: well i'm 45 and a half so i guess i am thank you
0: Okay. Hey, I'm 47. So I just need to make you make you feel as bad as possible. (laughs) Um, Do you approach your own fitness and working out now that you're into your 40s differently than before?
1: (laughs) I actually had uh, a slight argument with my physio. I, I see a physio every week. For years because I do I'm pretty active and as you get older, more things break. And he, he said to me the other day, it's like you can't act like you're twenty one because I, I so I don't, but I should do. I, I should act accordingly. But the thing things I just love moving. I, I don't train to look a certain way, I really don't care how I look. I, I like moving and I like being capable. So which means I like pushing my body in different ways. For example, I took up gymnastics when I was 43. What the hell? I never done gymnastics before. I really wanted to learn how to backflip. And obviously, someone who's... I'm not naturally very flexible. Um, I've never done gymnastics or dance. And doing gymnastics three, four times a week, which I did for quite a few months, that took its toll on my body. I remember landing on my neck when I did a backflip. That's not good for you.
0: We're not advising people in their 40s to suddenly... No. no.
1: No, do as I say, not as I do. Now, I think is, you know, when it comes to exercise, we're all in different journeys. We all do it for different ways. Like I said, I don't train to look a certain way. I am kind of anti, I really don't care like how my body looks because it's it's just not an issue for me. And because I'm around my clients over 25 years, I've seen how you can change your body and when it's important to change your body. But the best way is not caring how your body looks. That's the ultimate way. If you pretend you don't care but really do care, that's pointless. But if you really don't care, that's liberating. And I just don't care. Uh, and because I'm sporty, I'm never going to be horrendously out of shape. So I guess it doesn't really affect me that much. I'm not going to suddenly be morbidly obese because I'm active and I like moving. And it doesn't make. If you like rock climbing and surfing and trekking, you're going to be in okay shape. That people aren't going to point. To them laugh at you. So I know that bit's fine. And because I'm happily married, I don't really care what women think of me. <laughs> you know, so it's like, so it's like, so I train purely so I can be capable so I can do things.
0: So in lockdown, we actually met up for a coffee. And because your wife had been really quite ill with COVID, we did a walking coffee. And we walked around one of the parks, because we literally, we literally now live in the same village then. Yeah. so we went for a walk around and we were just chatting I was picking your brains on business and and stuff we were walking around for ages and ages and ages and I was like can we sit down please <laughs> but then part way through us sitting down just for me to have a few sips of a tea moving like, we- <laughs> yeah sorry of course. but
1: I find it hard to sit down I find it hard to be still you know this this is my limit of sitting down for like an hour or so when we're talking and then I have to move again I, I yeah, a lot of nervous energy, I guess, but I'm I'm not designed to sit down. That's why I don't work in an office, you know? No,
0: that's great. But I was yeah, I was like, okay, right, we're we're on the move again. Okay. Random question. Do you have any tattoos, Dan?
1: No, no, I don't. I kind of miss that boat. Why do you ask that?
0: Well, the next question. If you were Get something tattooed on you, so this is now something that's there for life. A word or a phrase is there anything that springs to mind that sticks with you? It might be something that motivates you, or just something that means a lot to you, or it could be something just fun. Oh,
1: a good question! I'll answer in two ways. Firstly, regarding tattoos, when I was I used to live in uh, the Cook Islands when I was 24 in uh, Rarotonga cook islands is in between it's like five hours south of tahiti i ended up renting a flat and living in rarotonga in the cook islands for quite a while like seven eight months or so and i was going to get a tattoo there because polynesia is where tattoos kind of started and i actually had one mapped out which was like a big thing for my finger like snaking all the way up to my arm like a whole sleeve and i had it all designed and i went to the tattoo parlor and said it'll take about three days i was like fine i'm up for it but the guy before me was getting his foot done his foot tattooed and he was he was a big maori guy and he was screaming in pain and i just like i literally like just turned away and i just like never came back so like i'm not doing that again so I, so i bottled it uh, and that the thing i designed had no meaning i was just young and i thought it would look cool but ever since then i was like nope too painful but uh, to answer your question properly no <laughs> there is one thing i wear there is <laughs> there is one thing i wear i wear a necklace which my wife bought me which has a, a a little like inscribed thing on it which i'll paraphrase it i don't want to say exactly what it is because it's kind of personal but it's uh, what she gave to me many years ago which is essentially a thousand moons a thousand stars a thousand universes i'd still choose you
0: that's beautiful
1: beautiful <laughs> so that is like the only kind of personal thing I, I i wear so i guess something related to lulu my wife i would have because i'm just like sickeningly in love but aside from that maybe something to do with my wife i'd put on there because i'm like i said happy there's nothing that strong and i think i'd regret it like what carpe diem across my back i mean what, what are you get? it's all a bit yeah you know, it's all a bit I, I find tattoos a little bit naff to be honest
0: well, I'm I'm desperate to get one with my daughter that we want to get matching tattoos. But right, the thing is though, Dan, we had this idea that we were gonna get matching tattoos and we got the idea, and then she literally sends me a photo. She's gone with her girlmates and she's got a tattoo. <laughs> she's just gone and done it. And I'm like What's okay. she got? You know, she's got a couple of little ones, but this one, it was like a combination of my birth month flower. And her birth month yeah. flower. And it's very delicate and it does look beautiful. Sweet.
1: And where is it? It's
0: just on her wrist, which is where I thought I'd actually... So you might actually see me over the next months. Something kind of crop up on my wrist.
1: I mean, it's so kind of normalised now, isn't it? Having tattoos where like... When, when I first went like kind of like travelling, I guess, when I was like 18, 19 and sort of travelling the world, to see people with tattoos was really cool and like wild, but...
0: You can age someone by their tattoo.
1: Oh, yeah, the Celtic ring. They're definitely in their mid-30s. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Celtic ring. And for the female, it was, what is it now called? The, the tramp stamp. Tramp stamp, the yeah. Yeah, so you can age someone yes. by the style of tattoo <laughs> they've had, which is fascinating. So, Dan, tell me a little bit more about your business school.
1: Basically, I've been mentoring coaches for about 10 years now. Like business mentoring, I love it. I love helping fellow coaches like grow their business because I've grown mine and I've done it very badly and slowly over the years. And now it's gone well. That I don't, I don't want other coaches and friends to make the same mistakes. So I, I love doing mentoring, and that that grown that like, grew a lot during the pandemic. Um, that part of my business grew massively in the pandemic because I guess a lot of coaches were like, shit. What do we do? And you've got this online business and you've got things going on. And so I've mentored a lot more businesses, not just in my industry, but in our industries over the last few years. And that that has kind of inspired a new side to my business, my Dan Roberts group, which is my business, to have more things available to coaches to upskill. So the business school is actually a, a business I own, which is part of the group of companies I look after which has qualifications and mentoring and very soon to be released a course, a year long course, which coaches can subscribe to and study and roll under, where they learn all about branding, marketing, finances, the mindset of a CEO and business planning and investment, all those things I think are helpful to learn as a coach. So it's, it's it's an umbrella of all different things to help fellow coaches. And it's fun. It's it's nice to not just do personal training and not just do the nuxu and MX and the martial arts and the other things that the physical things I do. It's quite nice to occasionally help people in different ways. So I'm finding it really interesting, sort of running that business alongside my other businesses.
0: And I think actually, whether you're a therapist or a PT or a I don't know hairdresser, whatever it might be, actually it's the business side of things. You know, you learn your skill your trade but the business side of it you 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 learn on the job don't you so actually if you've got your career to, that you're then being able to share your learnings and your failings and everything else that's that's amazing
1: yeah it's 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 really good fun i think when you sign up to be a uh, be it a nutritionist a dermatologist or skincare expert or personal trainer you don 't necessarily sign up to be a, an entrepreneur or a business owner i didn 't. I just wanted to coach people and then you soon realize it 's like, oh wow, I need to learn how to get clients, I need to learn how to stay relevant. I need to learn how to position myself and brand myself and these things we just have to learn otherwise you can 't use that skill to help people so it's like it 's an integral part of being a coach or therapist and to to understand how to market yourself and I think and nowadays. Everyone is so focused. It seems, there is a lot of focus on social media where you see people who have done really well on social media. And the idea is like, oh, that's how I grow my business. I become really popular. Or I become, like, you know, I go on Love Island. Or, you know, you become famous online and then you can sell stuff. But that's, that's not the way of doing it. That's only one way of doing it. And it's not the most efficient way of doing it. You know, so I, I quite like the old-fashioned way of actually having a real business which doesn't require... Being really popular on social media it requires having strategy and business skills. And I like that because I can kind of be under the radar but still make a lot of money. I think it resonates with a lot of other coaches. They don't want to be the next Joe Wicks or the next James Smith or whoever. They find that a bit not them. And I totally understand that. And there's other ways of becoming successful than just being overexposed on a, a platform.
0: So one final question. Do you have a song or or a tune because i know with your online courses because i've kind of signed up to one of them you have playlists so i I know music is is something that's really important to you um if you're kind of not feeling it if you're a bit down a bit low have you got one of those tunes it could even be a few or a certain artist that that is your go-to to to lift your mood
1: Mm. what a good question I mean, firstly, let me say I, I'm quite lucky. I don't really get that down that often, so I'm very lucky like that. You know, I'm naturally quite grateful, and I'm naturally quite kind of like optimistic, I guess, about stuff. So I don't often find myself in a bit of a, a slump where I feel like I need to be lifted up. And I do exercise, for, which for me is, I guess, like a therapy. I didn't, I guess, because I can't physically function without doing some sort of movement every day so I guess I use that more than music but song well let me think I don't know about you but my musical taste hasn't changed much since I was 18, 19 like I'm, I'm from Manchester and I when I went to university in the mid-90s my favourite music was Oasis the charlatans and spiral carpets stone roses or that kind of music and it still is now what I've listened to now my, my favourite album of all time is Screamadelica by Primal Scream and there's a song called um, Come Together, which is nine minutes long, which sometimes I make my clients do bodyweight squats to until they finish. <laughs> that that I love. I find it really uplifting. And there's, there's not many words to it. But yeah, I, 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 as a piece of music, I love it. It makes me feel good. So yeah, Come Together on the 1990 album Screamadelica by Primal Scream, an album everybody should listen to.
0: Yeah, love it. Love it. We're definitely from the same generation down uh, so what is next for Dan Roberts?
1: In terms of me personally, uh, in terms of like my training and stuff, uh, I, don't have, I don't have any goals. I haven't had any goals for a while. I, I actually like just the process of playing around like with martial arts or with like strength training or sometimes running. So I just sort of go with the flow. I go with however I feel. So my training is on purpose kind of unstructured and I, and I like that. It's not the most efficient to if I wanted to get in better shape, for example, but I don't care about that. So so training, I'm just going to carry on doing what I'm doing, just playing exercises, play. So I'm just going to carry on playing in terms of my work. I reached my goals quite a few years ago in terms of my personal training part, about maybe like 10 years ago in terms of charging what I wanted to charge and training who I wanted to train. So that side of thing, I'm I'm happy just maintaining I'm finding the, the business school interesting because that's still, it's my newest business. So I'm releasing my course pretty soon. It keeps on being delayed because I'm rubbish with deadlines and I don't have a boss. So I keep on just <laughs> extending deadlines. But I guess that'll be my focus really over the next six months is releasing that and making sure I have coaches standing up to that and helping coaches on that, that year-long qualification. So I'm excited by that. So that's going to be most of my mental focus, I think will be on that. Aside from that, just, you know, just living life, I guess.
0: Where can people find you? Where's a good place if they want to kind of dip into any or all of these things that you're doing? Where can they find you, Dan? If,
1: if they want to dip into me, I, I guess the best place is to go to danrobertsgroup.com, which is my website. Dan Roberts Group of Companies is a group of companies I set up a few years ago. And that consolidates all the different things I do from personal training, retreats, methodology, product and classes, NUXU product uh, the business school and also a whole load of free resources that's the best place and my two different podcasts business school podcast and the mx podcast Um, and you've been a guest on my mx podcast so people should listen to that where we talked about skincare and i showed my ignorance about everything to do with skin and looking after one's skin
0: yeah this is why we haven't talked about skincare at all with you or because, male I grooming know not because whatsoever. I'm, I'm
1: the worst <laughs> we could talk about male grooming it'll just be a very short conversation because <laughs> i do very little of it so. brilliant <laughs> it's the benefit of not being as vain as i should be because i don't do any grooming so uh,
0: dan this has been an absolute pleasure chatting to you thank you so much for for being so open and uh, giving us your time so thank you Thank you so much for listening to Knowing Me, Glowing You. I hope you enjoyed the chat as much as I did. If you'd like to learn a little more about what I do, you can always pop over to my website, abigailjames.com, where you can stay up to date with everything I'm up to. If you're into your skincare and well-being, I think you are really going to enjoy my latest book, The Glow Plan. It's a four-week plan to ageing well from the inside and out. If you enjoyed today's episode, it's really appreciated if you would subscribe and share the podcast with your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode might have given a moment of welcome distraction from your day and offered a glimmer of inspiration and happiness.